Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to The Accelerator, a podcast with Michael Conniff. I'm your host. Uh, we're dedicated to entrepreneurs, founders, startups, and the angels, VCs, investment firms, and family offices that uh, I don't want to say cater to them, but uh, uh, hopefully give them some uh, backing and money. Um, we're on every major platform, uh, including Amazon, Audible, Apple, uh, and about eight others. Plus, we're on YouTube. So make sure to look us up um, or, and make sure also to uh, go to my website, Michael Conniff, C-O-N-N-I-F-F.com. Um, I'm at Michael Conniff at, on Twitter. So check that all out. Um, today, we are very happy to be joined by um, Sam Bogosh. He is the CEO of Axel.ai, a company that is uh, doing something that needs to be done. And a real pain point, which is organizing and making more accessible video in a whole range of environments. So welcome to the Accelerator, Sam. Great to have you. Great to be here. And I should I should point out, we met um, at an Expert Dojo event. You're part of that Accelerator. You also have a connection to uh, my, my, uh, my friends at Holt uh, Exchange in Montreal. Um, and, um, and your company's doing quite well. So tell, tell everybody what Axel AI does and what's, what's the essence and why you got into this business for that matter. Happy to do that. Um, the way we say it is we make media smarter. Uh, there is a huge amount of media being accumulated, uh, across the globe these days, uh, by hundreds of thousands, actually close to a million teams capturing all this video mm. and then they have to figure out how to manage and search and repurpose it for social media. Uh, the, the cycle times have been shortening and there's more and more content coming in. Uh, more and more often we're running customers who have to ingest uh, between five and 10 terabytes per day. That is, that used to be a crazy number that you would never even imagine. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, I've, I've heard it a few times this week. Uh, and it's everything from, I, one of our customers is this large off-road race called King of the Hammers. I was just out there in California last week uh, to large YouTubers, uh, uh, folks like uh, Watch Mojo, uh, based in Montreal. Uh, and these folks just essentially have more video coming in than they know what to do with. Uh, and it extends to brands, marketing departments, political campaigns, etc. So it's kind of the, um, oh. yeah, for, forgive me. I, it's sort of the stealth, um, the stealth story of, uh, of uh, the startup world in a way, because um, it's obvious to everyone that video is more important. We're, look at us now, right? Three years right. ago, we're not doing this. I mean, it's not exactly. happening. There's no Zoom, you know, maybe five years ago. But now it's everywhere. And, it, and, and um, as I like to say, it's everywhere and it's also ubiquitous. But, um, but Sam, what does your technology do to make it easier and and i think to deal with particularly the video because video video is a huge problem because it's inherently tr tr uh, historically not searchable in the way the text is so how does your technology work and what do you actually do so there are several steps the first step is that we need to scan the video where it is because it's usually too big to move most of these groups will have hundreds of terabytes of video content on premise and then they'll have like tens of terabytes of content in the cloud. And what they want is something that will catalog all of the above and give them a, a global picture. So we do that. We, we kind of crawl the, uh, the uh, on-premise file systems. 
we we traverse the cloud file systems and we pr present this unified view and then we make low res previews of all that video so that they can easily stream it into their browsers and not have to open an editing program uh, just to, to look at it. Then we apply AI and machine learning to do things like face recognition, logo recognition, object recognition, and speech transcription so that all of that video becomes searchable. Because it's, it's one thing to make it browsable, but you'd still have to kind of browse through all of it, which is a pain. So if you can give them the metadata, the content of that video, Mm -hmm. in an easily digested form, then we put that in a database and apply modern search techniques so that you mm -hmm. can just type in a few words and say, oh, I want to find a car uh, with, uh, you know, a, a man standing next to it, or I want to find a particular mm. celebrity uh, and the following logo. And so mm. the software basically drives that process and saves huge amounts of time that would otherwise be spent typically fumbling through loose hard drives. That's really where a lot of our customers start. It's just, yeah, and it's just yeah. so hard to find. And and how accurate is your AI software in doing this? Um, if you think about any television network or news operation, massive amounts of video every single day, you know, are they going to be, how do they, how accurate are they going to be? Is your technology going to be in finding like Justin Bieber in the middle of all that, for example? So it, it's going to be upwards of 90% accurate. And the important thing to bear in mind is mm -hmm. that the bar is very low. In other words, <laughs> no matter what, we are going to blow that. away, blow away the productivity that they had before, which was literally fumbling through. I think it was in that shelf. I think there's a drive over, you know, like this kind of thing. Like it's not even a contest. Now, as we progress, we go from 85 to 90 to 95 percent because the underlying AI engines are getting more and more powerful. And, and the, the user interface for harnessing those is also, you know, our front end is getting better and better over time. But and, and, again, the bar is so low that for many of them, uh, the big win is just being able to do this at all. Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Now, when did you found Axel AI? And I'm curious as to whether, because you're really now riding this amazing AI wave Yep. But you've been at it for a while. It's not like you were, you're kind of a, on the front of that wave. Um, when, when did the company start and when did you realize, like, we had to do this with AI, we have to develop AI software to make this happen? How yeah, so, so we started Axel AI in 2018, mid-2018. And prior to that, we had been a, a company without the AI component focused on the same kinds of problems. So Okay, so uh, let me stop you there. How did, how did you deal with it without... AI software, what was the technology then? The idea is people had to tag it. So people would have oh. to go in and, wa and watch those clips and, yeah. and manually key in the search terms. And, you know, this is a highlight. Oh, you know, the star is walking off, you know, they would tag all these things, but nobody had time for that. So it was a very obscure, it was kind of like librarian stuff, you know, or or dams, if, if you're familiar with digital asset management. And, yeah. and the, thing, yeah. the thing about those those pursuits is that everyone's too busy doing what they actually do to spend large amounts of time tagging their material. So it was an interesting but niche area. Now, the company that I worked for before Axel did this for the biggest broadcasters. Uh, and I'll never forget, like one of them was CBS, for instance. And when, when, uh, when the Oscars were, were in effect and you had the red carpet, they would have a team of loggers just following the red carpet ceremony on the Oscars. You know, and it would be like, George Clooney looks right. 
George Clooney looks left. George Clooney is wearing Dolce & Gabbana. You know, they'd be typing all this stuff in. Um, but except for the red carpet ceremony and the Oscars and the Super Bowl and those kinds of tentpole events, nobody has time to tag all the material that's even on broadcast television. But if you look at the last decade, of course, media has exploded so far past that that it's it's hopeless to think about doing without AI. And when you say um, you help people, you know, deal with their media, I'm 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 a little surprised you don't say video. What what is what are the other what are the other media that you're helping them deal with and how? Yeah, typically audio and photos. Uh, so I'd say 80% of what we do is video, but 10% is audio and 10% is photos. And, and they can be very numerous, of course. You know, if you go out yeah. the red carpet ceremony, there's hundreds of thousands of photos generated to maybe thousands of videos, right? But it snap, 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 snap. You know, probably these mm -hmm. days millions if you include social media all of that stuff needs to get brought in because they may be looking for a still of that person along with the video. And so rather than just exclusively focus on video, it makes more sense to capture the, the 360 degree view of the event or of the shoot. And then, and, and also audio, you know, exploding with podcasts. This is a podcast. I mean, I, yeah. I'm actually, um, put in 11 years in various capacities on radio, never full time, but, you know, I did sports and then I did, I did basketball. I was a color commentator at the University of Vermont broadcast. And then, um, and then I did a talk show for six years. So before I knew it, I was in, in, you know, I put in 11 years in this, but if you were not on radio for all intents and purposes in that, in that era, you did not, you know, there was no audio. I mean, there was no average person doing doing podcasts or, or anything like that. So that's, that's also now, but now the audio files are much smaller than the, the video files, but they, the, the same problem kind of applies because you cannot easily search audio files either nope, uh, nope. or photographs or video. No, that's right. And, and, and it all comes in what we see with a lot of these events and uh, you know, shoots and things is that it all comes rolling in from a ton of sources. Uh, one of our biggest uh, YouTuber customers, I visited with them recently and they were telling us that on a typical shoot, they'll have upwards of 20 cameras going, uh, any number of which are GoPros and mobile phones that have either being held by people or were just duct taped to something. And, you know, they're, they're just winging it. They have a few high quality, uh, yeah. like Canon or Sony uh, high-end cameras, but but then it's just like whatever the cap dragged in and they're capturing stills and they're capturing extra audio tracks. Then they're mic'd, you know, they have, they have uh, mics that they're wearing, plus they have boom yeah. mics and all of this has to be integrated. Uh, it's fascinating. And, and uh, in, in video, we have something called multicam, which is where you go into your editor and you look at all the streams of media from a given shoot uh, synchronized in terms of time. Uh, and th this particular uh, customer had 24-way multicam. So there was like literally 24 angles of something when it was happening. And who is the customer? If you don't mind. I, I, can't, I can't name names, unfortunately. You can't tell me. Oh, not no. yet. Not yet. But, but, it's, but I guess what I want to mention is that it's kind of the leading edge of what's happening. Like, um, you know, a lot, a lot of these uh, online shows and things look very naturalistic, but the production values behind them are, are super intense and, and, it, it, you know, you'd be, you'd be amazed or, or for that matter, reality shows. One, one customer that I can name uh, is, is called Pie Town and they do all of the house flipping shows for HGTV. 
Oh, so wow. things like flip or flop and, you know. Yeah, we and, know them. Yep. And, and, and so, again, looks very casual, but a lot of production values go into that. And they have hundreds of terabytes of material from these shoots. And it's like, this one's from the left. This one's from the right. You know, this yeah. is the beauty shot of the kitchen. This is the, And then they have to remember it when they're doing edit because they have to cut back and forth. And then there's B-roll, which is sort of background shots of, of the neighborhood. And, uh, you know, it just It's endless now. It's endless now. But, um, you know, when you, when you mentioned 20 cameras for the shoot of the unnamed client, I hate that because as a former reporter, now I, gotta ha- now I have to find out. Now I have I'll, be, I'll be happy to tell you at a future. I just can't, you know, yeah, I can't. You can, still disclose it, let me know, because now I'm curious, because here's why. We just had the Super Bowl. And um, in the Super Bowl, I believe the number of cameras, so we're talking about the highest quality cameras now. I think they have 30, you know, uh, as a ballpark figure. And it's it's like 10 more than the normal broadcast. But here's like, I'm assuming somebody that does not have a Super Bowl budget, you know, uh, marshalling 20 different angles and 20 different views i mean it's really it's really astonishing um yeah by the way the other way of looking at the super bowl is there are seventy thousand cameras there you are that's right and and, and they're in everybody's pocket they got them up for the social media and and and, you know where's all that footage going well right now it's probably just staying on their cameras but the cloud you you can imagine a future where all this stuff gets kind of hoovered up and and uh, is used to accentuate the event and publicize it. And of course, that's already happening. Mm-hmm. All those people are making social media posts on their own, with or without the permission of the authorities. Uh, and and it's just it's just creating a, a giant tornado of, of media. So I'm going to um, um, bring up the uh, elephant in the room, which to me is ChatGPT and OpenAI. We haven't done a podcast about them or talked about them much. But um, uh, actually, I'm going to start off on a positive note, which is that your use of uh, AI technology, um, it strikes to me as, you know, uh, you'll be happy to hear this is like 100% positive because you're taking it, you're not, you know, I don't think it, you're really actually costing anybody their job. I think there'll be more jobs to deal with the video that you find right. than the video that is never found and was lost forever. So to me, it's not, it doesn't have those implications. So it's like a very pot to me. Um, it's a very positive use of AI. Now chat GPT um, and open AI, um, uh, which are now incorporated into the Microsoft Bing search engine and, and is, is just starting. And I'm going to pontificate for just a minute, just a second. Which, and here's my pontification. All of the cute little stories about, oh, I interviewed ChatGPT or they interviewed me on ChatGPT. Like this is, you know, um, in an age of disinformation and misinformation, they're already admitting you can't count on it. A lot of it's not true. <laughs> right? So great. You know, you can cheat on your term paper and, you know, oh, and it's, and, and I love this idea that, listen, it's, it's a bad high school student, you know, it's a high school. I'm like, that's so pretty what, what yeah, that's happened, pretty now it'll get better. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not, I'm not inherently opposed to it per se, but um, this idea that, that it's um, uh, uh, an inherent social good is absurd. And um, I actually see the more positive applications in, in, um, in, um, 
you know, graphics in video in uh, perhaps even in audio. But yeah. as a writer, you know, it's like it's very hard to think of this as like a wonderful thing because, uh, yes, it will help with all the junk content SEO stuff that you no longer have to do. Uh, but but, you know, the search engines are going to pick up on that, too, eventually, and they'll be able to tell the difference. But but how do you feel about it? Because you you were what and also what year did you begin to incorporate AI? And how, how do you feel about this wave that, it, you know, was behind you for a long time and is now like now it's up now you're right at the peak of it, it not at the peak, but at the beginning of this gigantic wave? Yeah, no, we started like I said, in, in mid 2018. Um, and uh, it was with the AI early... as well. With the AI as well. With the AI, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. In 2018, but but you know, at that point, it was just very early, and it was all we could do to get any useful results out of the thing. But it was clear that the rate things were progressing, that it, it was going to happen, and here we are five years later, and it's definitely happening. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, it's a small company. Like we're a 27 person company. Uh, we are growing. You know. We're, growing like 18% quarter over quarter. So, mm -hmm. but, but if you think about the huge tidal wave of investment that's going into AI right now in the billions of dollars, yes, I mean, it is possible that one of these larger initiatives will just kind of uh, sweep everything before it. Um, I like to think that our, our uh, defense of what we do is not only that it's basically benign, but also that it's very specialized. Like not everybody needs this technology today. They may in the future and there might be consumerized versions of what we do, but our focus is really on these professional teams and the people whose job it is to capture and, and publish, you know, social media for, for relatively, uh, what's the right word? Uh, corporate purposes, but, yeah. but corporations can mean mega churches. They can mean sports teams. They can mean governments. Um, but it's not yet at the level where you'd have this like literally on one person's phone. I, I would I would anticipate that in the next five years that is going to happen, and that you're going to see a trend where like any video that gets shot is going to get automatically tagged, and and kind of formatted for repurposing, so that your your phone might ask you, hey, do you want to publish this five second soundbite of what you just did uh, to TikTok or to YouTube, and you just say yes or no, and it would do a lot of that groundwork for you. So mm -hmm. it is it is definitely job threatening at some level. Uh, but as you point out, the, the professionals are probably always going to be able to ride that wave and use the technology to create better and better quality stuff. Why is that consumer application not your business? And doesn't it doesn't it concern you that um, I guess you'd say um, I'm assuming that would be a cheaper alternative. Maybe it's a subscription based kind of service for consumers. Um, do, why wouldn't you want to jump on that it's a it's a basically a you know a b2b b2c question right yeah i think the b2b opportunity is where we are today and it's what we know well mm -hmm. uh could we shrink wrap all of that into a mobile app in in a couple of years absolutely i'm not saying we won't do it i'm just saying that takes way more resources uh chances are we would get bought before that happened you know and that yeah. a bigger company would see what we do and say i love what you do but I want it in my phone and, yeah. and uh, we'll buy you for that. And that would be super exciting as far as I'm concerned. But for us to go doing it for the phone today, uh, 
would be a stretch. We, we just yep. don't have the engineering resources and we're doing everything we can to do this well for these professional teams. Plus there's an element of collaboration. Like in our software, you can actually collaborate on a timeline and have several people coming in and do review and approval with the producer. And, you know, and for most people, yep. a phone app wouldn't, wouldn't need that level. So it would have to be kind of feature reduced and, and honed down uh, to, to just what one person would use. But I, I can definitely see that. So how do you feel about open AI and, and, you know, AI for the masses, AI available in, in the media? Um, you know, suddenly, I'll give you one example. I saw, an, um, you, I started to use an app today, literally called Fathom, that, um, do you know that app? I've heard the name, but I, I don't know it. So uh, it connects to Zoom, um, you know, automatically, and you can, um, and it creates a transcript. Yeah, which a lot of them do, but it also, you know, creates a video. You have the video and the transcript and highlights and every question pulled out and searchable, every nice. question that appears in the thing. So you end up with like a really useful um, record of what you've just done, of what you've just done. Yep. And um, um, so there, so, you know, AI is just kind of transforming the way we do work. And, um, but how do you feel, um, do you feel any ambivalence about it? Do you, do you, um, like as a writer, I, wor I worry like writing could go away, um, original content could disappear and, and will, by the way, and will not, not completely, not, nothing like that, but, but, um, you know, it's funny, I'm not a, I'm not a, I've spent my whole life embracing technology and this is really the first time um, I, th I feel like personally I've slammed the brakes on. So how, how do you feel as a person with an AI, you know, a functioning, growing AI company? Do you, um, is this, uh, too, too, uh, a feat to worry about too esoteric or is it something that concerns you? Oh, I don't think it's esoteric at all. And I think we all need to be on the lookout. Uh, I just remember back to when, you know, in the early days of the web, and I'm old enough to have been there, you, you are too, when everyone thought, you know, information wants to be free. This is going to be nothing but good. All this information is going to be out there. Everyone's going to be able to get the facts. And, you know, harmony and global peace will ensue. And in fact, what's ensued is a big old mess because everybody gets the information they want or that's been formatted for them. And uh, as a result, it has not been a, a pure good. Uh, so I think with this AI thing, it's easy if you're an optimist to say this is wonderful, but uh, I think a more balanced point of view is is probably uh, warranted. You, you know, it's another great another great example of that, Sam, is um, is social media, and I, I know this personally because I taught um, social media at the Isaacson School for New Media in Colorado, and uh, for five years. So not just, you know, not just here and there, but for five years, I taught storytelling and social media. And I've got to tell you, it was a very benign enterprise. It was basically, here's how to connect with your community. Um, communities, plural, right? But it was not, it, it, I don't think we spent barely any time on, um, on the ominous and odious practices that were coming down the road, right? So right. it'd be a completely different course. Now, I'm not even sure I'd want to teach it, to be honest right. with you, because it would not be fun. There was an incident, though, um, where I was presenting in front of um, uh, Aspen High School parents, 
And uh, one of the parents had a daughter who had been um, effectively stalked online, right? So really negative experience. And, you know, as I think back on it, it was like, that was the early, early warning system, right? (laughs) Probably around 2015. But um, isn't it fair to say that we can't, we really can't predict these things that, that this, when you and I in 10 years talk about AI, it'll be a completely different conversation and we don't know what it'll be about. You know, we don't, we, we, we can kind of guess we can, but we're not, it, it'll probably be different than we think. I couldn't agree more. And uh, I think the technology's acceleration has reached a point where all you can do today, if you're concerned is, is try to, do your part to make sure that the information that's going into these models and the usage of the models it is for good rather than for evil, because it they can, they can be just as powerful. It's like any new technology, but squared in its potential impact. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as we've seen with, with, with some of the models that are out there just in recognition, they can, they can be biased based on the input that's been provided to them. And you can only imagine with the creative tools and, you know, it's like whatever is being generated is a little bit of garbage in, garbage out mm. uh, and and reflects the intent of the person that bundled up that particular model. Yeah. And, and of course, those people are just as likely to be uh, not friendly types as they are friendly types. And mm. both sides have just as much money. <laughs> You know, by the way, that information wants to be free was uh, Stuart Brand in the Whole Earth Catalog. Yes. And apparently, the 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 complete quote says the the second half of his yeah, but you're going to have to pay for it or so. You know what I mean? It's kind of a misquote, yeah. <laughs> from what I understand. But That's entirely um, possible. Yeah. So we've been talking about the future, but but how does um, how does the next you know three to five years look to you for your company um it seems to me in a lot of cases you're going in and they don't have tools like this right so you're you're going to have a receptive audience frequently um is it is this space drawing um competition yet is is it uh is it are you battling with with others in this uh in this area we do have some competition uh, but it's kind of in two uh clumps one of them is the old school companies that did broadcast software and are trying to progress it into this new age of social media and events and so forth. Um, they're not direct competition because their systems typically cost much more than ours and are much clunkier to use. Mm. And then I would say there's a new wave of companies that are coming out that are building this almost entirely in the cloud and more for prosumer use cases where, because again, the, the professionals will have hundreds of terabytes and sometimes petabytes of material on premise. And then the cloud stuff that they're layering on is, is kind of the new stuff, but you have to handle the hybrid picture of both cloud and, and these hard drives. Uh, and I would say a lot of these new startups, because they're venture backed, they tend to have this cloud only like, oh, it's all gonna be rainbows and unicorns and everyone's gonna use the cloud. And then when you look at the economics of that, it's actually pretty terrible. Like putting a few hundred terabytes in the cloud and, and working on it actively is, is a great way to go broke. So, so, so what we say is, Hey, leave the stuff that's on premise on premise, put the stuff that makes sense in the cloud. And we're going to have the best hybrid picture, uh, which essentially combines elements of these old school companies. And then the cool new cloud stuff. I don't want to say we're completely unique, but at the moment, uh, that message is resonating and we see, 
you know, to, to use your term, three to five years, some trajectory of, of continued growth as long as the reality matches up with, with what we are proposing. And you're in an interesting group of industries. What are the, what are the biggest uh, sweet spots for you for this technology? Obviously, broadcasting. You mentioned sports. You mentioned actually big churches, mega churches, right? And, and yep. there's some other interesting. Well, who are some of the others that are using this? Um, I would say events and venues. Um, mm -hmm. So everything from, you know, big sports venues to, uh, uh, for instance, Coachella is one of our customers. As you mm -hmm. can imagine, they Best have... They yep. have over two petabytes of footage, uh, historical footage, and then they go out and every time they hold a new festival, and it's not just Coachella, it's it's a number of festivals that, that the company runs, they capture hundreds of terabytes at each one. So all this, you know, live events have become a really big business, particularly, particularly as the recorded music industry uh, shrinks in terms of revenue. Yeah. Uh, so live events are, are happening all over. Um, you know, universities with lecture footage, and then things like government organizations and political campaigns. We had three of the candidates in the last presidential cycle uh, use our software for their for their uh, footage management, and in some cases, social media. Uh, for instance, Elizabeth Warren's campaign used it to quickly respond. They had all the footage from all of her town hall meetings, and they did over a hundred of these. So, as you imagine, they had a big storehouse of her talking on almost any topic because they were almost like ask me anything sessions. Mm. And then when someone came in on Facebook or, or Twitter with, with like a, you know, gee, I wonder what Elizabeth Warren has to say about, I don't know, the famine in Somalia, they would do a quick search across all of her public uh, appearances, find her talking usually with a lot of knowledge about that. And then like within hours have the answer posted on that same social platform. So if you think about what a, what a presidential campaign yeah. or a campaign platform used to look like, which was static and just written down. Now it's like, what do you got? You got a question? Here's footage of our candidate, you know, on the, at their best talking about that topic. So there's a lot of really interesting applications. We call that the war room application. That's exactly. Um, this is the accelerator. I'm Michael Conniff. Um, you've been listening and you can find us uh, on Apple, Amazon, um, Audible, all the major podcast platforms, also on my website, Michael Conniff, C O N N I F F dot com, at Michael Conniff for Twitter. Uh, please rate us, subscribe, keep listening. We really appreciate that. And uh, we want to thank um, uh, Sam Bogosh, the CEO of Axel AI, that's A X L E dot AI, which I presume is your web address as well, right? That's right. Axel dot AI. Um, a super interesting company that is solving a very um, a, a, a problem that <laughs> exists everywhere there is video or audio um, or even photographs. So, Sam, thanks so much for being with us on the Accelerator. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. And uh, remember, uh, as I like to say at the end of our broadcasts, uh, keep listening and we'll be back with another podcast before you know it.